Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You tonight, dear Lord Jesus, to meet in front of you and talk with you in this evening. Lord, tonight is a heavy night because we're so close to the winter. And dear Lord, I wanted to touch base on a couple things that might be helpful to people. Dear Lord, as we come to this time where the great tribulation is going to hit us, the war is coming. The great struggle that's been foretold by you in the scriptures is at our doorstep. And the people are not ready to receive it. They don't see the enemy gathering. They don't understand that the nations of the world are united against all the people on earth. And they're not only united against all the people on earth, as you said in Matthew 24, 21 to 22, when you said, dear God, that they were going to kill all flesh. That means they weren't coming just to kill the Christians, just to kill the, the Muslims, just to kill all these people. They were coming to create a situation of great struggle where the people would kill each other. And dear Lord, they intend to be in control of that with their word. And dear Lord, their word is deceit. It's coming from the flood of the mouth of the dragon. And they worship the dragon. They even have the dragon in the city of London where they reign from. <clears throat> they have dragons everywhere in that city on idols and in the signpost, even in the guardians of the city, even on the weather vane of a church. They have a dragon. Their logo is a dragon, two dragons holding up a shield. That's their shield of faith, hearing the word of the dragon, hearing the word of the devil. Dear Lord, I pray that they'll understand that this, at this time, it's very much like that, because what you said, dear God, by the fourth seal judgment is that the death and Hades are coming together against the people, and it's symbolic that they would have two dragons holding up their shield, because clearly the one, the helmet on top of that shield is symbolic of the helmet of their salvation, which is the words of the devil. And it's held up by the, the, the workings of the devil, which is going to give the people into their destruction because Satan's already lost his dominion. He's already been cast down to earth. Of course, if he could convince all the people to kill everybody, to kill each other and violate everything and close up the words that God has opened at this time, then, then they might win. The devil could win. But he can't win because the devil, the Lord has very clearly said, his word will not be destroyed at this time. I'd like to go back tonight. <clears throat> I'd like to look again at First Samuel 14 in the battle of Jonathan against the Philistines because there's some very interesting correlations there in regard to this very time. I'd like to get the people to think a little bit that they might understand a few points of the Lord and have faith. You know, faith... Insecurity of the Lord is having confidence in his word, that his word that he created all things with controls all things. And that his appointed times will be upheld because he said in this winter, the beast kingdom will lose the, their dominion. He's taken it away for this season, in this season. And he's going to have it for a time, which is seven years, it begins in April. So for seven years, the Lord is going to reign over the earth beginning April. But before that, He's going to bring an end to the flood of the dragon. He's going to bring about 
the separation judgment. He's going to bring about the war. Remember that the hook of the, the, in the jaw of all those who follow the, the Gog, which is the king, means the king. doesn't mean Putin. It means the king. The king of the world is the words of the devil that the queen and Rothschild speak. And all things report to them, and she owns all the seas, and all the nations are like boats under their law attached to the sea, attached to rivers, bored in, uh, other words, docked at rivers that are owned by her. She owns the rivers that go to the sea and all the oceans. So all the shorelines and everything else belong to her, and all the others are corporations that she rules over as the a military officer in charge because she rules over him under admiralty law, which is based upon words that are filled with deceit and hidden contract laws. And the judges and everybody go along with it. Now, dear Lord, it's very interesting. In First Samuel 14, this is a very spiritual battle. This is a battle that is won by you in a very similar way you're going to win the battle at this time. I just wanted to go over a few key points to this battle so that the people might understand the truth in this time. Lord, it happens to be that you had them, well, in chapter 13, the one before chapter 14 in 1 Samuel, Saul didn't wait on Samuel. Samuel came by led by the Spirit and he came and Saul had already made the sacrifices because he was scared. The army of the Philistines that arrayed against him were great. Saul had roughly 600 men. And when the armies of the Philistines came into the area, the people began to run, and, and there was many of the people that left them. Whereas his army had started in the thousands, a few thousands, it had dwindled down to 600 people because of the fear of the Philistines that were coming. And also because God had delayed Samuel coming and so it made him nervous. And they fled. And they went to the hills and so forth. And some of them fled and joined the Philistine army to come against their own people. So it was a really bad time for the people and Samuel or Saul had panicked and he made the sacrifices. And because of that, it tells us in First. Samuel 13, that the Lord said he'd taken, Samuel told him that the Lord had taken the kingdom away from Saul. He will not last under him, and it's been given to another. We have a very similar wording in Matthew 21, 43 to 44, in that the Lord was very disappointed. The Father was very disappointed in the house of Israel for not receiving the words when he had sent it to him, and therefore the kingdom was taken from them. And this was confirmed in Acts 28 when Paul met with the, the other groups of the house of Israel that were in Rome, which is the headquarters for the world at that time. And they rejected the message and didn't receive it. Some received it, but the, as a rule, they didn't receive it. And then if they would have received it, they would have had to go on back and convince the people in Israel. And that would have been a difficult time, but if the spirit was with them, they could have done it. The reason it was difficult was because the house of Herod was running the nation of Israel. And Herod was an Edomite, not even of the law, not even of the right to be king of Israel. And he was really a servant of Rome. And we see that today with our shepherds 
who have signed on to help FEMA and DHS, which is a Crown Trust organization, a corporation funded, controlled by the Crown Trust, operating in deceit as being the Department of Homeland Security of America when it's not, and it's working throughout the world, and all the agencies are under it. And it's an evil empire doing many deceitful things. Yet people go along with it, and the pastors signed up to be emergency, you know, um, ministerial people for the Crown Trust to help them get the people to go into their prison camps, just like the rabbis did in World War II when they sent them to the camps like Dachau and so forth, where they perished in great number. I remember walking through Dachau, and it was a very moving thing. It was very tragic to see what happened at that place and just understanding and seeing the ovens and seeing the ditch where they massacred the Russian soldiers and and others at that time. Terrible things. Dear Lord, it's so far worse than this at this time because you said so in Matthew 24, 19 to 20 and Mark 13, 19 to 20. I'm sorry, Matthew 24, 21 to 22. And Mark 13, 19 to 20. And Lord, at this time, you've warned the people, just like it was then, dear Lord, you took the kingdom away from the house of Israel and it's been given to the the Gentiles and all your people, the remnant that will come out. And of course, your remnant will be the servants, high servants. But first, they'll be ashamed because the word is coming back to them through the Gentiles, as you've said in their own scriptures that they will not believe, but they must, because you're going to cause it to be fulfilled. And dear Lord, at this time, as it was then, Jonathan stood up. Dear Lord, he he was, it's very interesting. It talks in the scriptures, you always put in there the, the great ways of things. I'd like to point out something. The armies of the Philistines, some say the numbers was 60,000. Some say the numbers are 100,000 against Saul's 600. But only two, the Bible's very clear that only two people, in chapter 13, First Samuel, tells us that only two people had swords, spears. That was, that was Saul and Jonathan. Everybody else just had some plowshares. They had some things like that, axe handles and so on. But they were dull, not sharp. Because they had to be controlled by the Philistines controlled it. They they wouldn't allow them to get them sharpened by themselves. They had no mill anywhere to make weapons with. They weren't allowed to have it. They'd be executed. We see that today, dear Lord. They're taking away the guns. They've caused the the people, dear Lord, the civil servants. You know, they've they've bought up the ammunitions. They've blocked the people. They're going to do a roundup of the guns very quickly. Because the UN will implement that, and I've heard that story many times from people inside that they'll take the weapons. They've always done that in the past. They'll do it now. But that people need to understand the weapons that they take. Let them have them. Because that is not the weapon you need to go after these people. That is not the weapon you need to bring them to correction. That is not the weapon you need to release the Lord upon them. Because we cannot overcome these people. Vengeance is God's, as he says very clearly in these last days, which is Hebrews 10, 24 to 31. 
We are to do the ways of righteousness and cause these people to understand that they're judged and that God is the judge and God is the word that will go before his people, just like it did with Jonathan in chapter 14. It will go out before them. You will not have to strike these people down. It's like Moses didn't need to strike the rock. He spoke to it. Every one of these people are symbolic of a rock. Every one of us. It's like he called Peter this little stone. See, the word of God is the rock. Our choice is the rock that we must make. And it's very interesting in this time that the Lord shows in this story of the of the more uh, battle of Michmash, it's called, in 1 Samuel 14. A very interesting thing about it is, is that there's two rocks. There's a pass that goes through it. It's very rocky. If you look in the maps and pictures on the internet, you'll see that this is a steep, steep rock and great ravine. The pass goes through the middle of it. And Saul had split his people. Jonathan was at Geba and he was at Geba or whatever you want to pronounce it, but they're uh, a distance apart from each other. And Jonathan was closer to the enemy than Saul was. And Saul was sitting under a pomegranate tree. A pomegranate is symbolic of the words of God. And Samuel had gone there. So it was there that they were to understand, to wait. And what was interesting is they, you know, he was looking to see if they should attack and so on. He had the priest doing this, but Jonathan didn't wait. Jonathan recognized that this was impossible. His father was sitting under the pomegranate tree. Pomegranate tree, just like, you know, it was a, like Deborah had said under the palm tree. But a pomegranate tree is the opening of the words. It's symbolic of all the laws of God. And he was breaking them one right after another. But he still wanted to have his own way, and he was in charge, and he was the anointed king. God was supporting him, bringing him there underneath a pomegranate tree. If he would have been asking the right things with faith instead of fear or instead of ego, he would have got the right answers. It's how you ask and how you want things done. He wanted to promote himself. He wanted to be this big king. He wanted God to give him the victory for his glory. But God was in it for the glory of the nation, the glory of his people, glory of his promise. So uh, Jonathan, upon seeing this situation, looked at this great ravine, and he was there was two hills there, two big rocks. One uh, faces the uh, south, and one faces the north. The one that faces the south is uh, called the the uh, thorn bush, or some people say the acacia, because there's acacia trees there. But the real root seems to be the thorn bush, and that was facing the south way. And then to the north, it was called the shining, the light. But see, this is, I believe, of the world because these armies are going to come from the north. But Joshua came up, or Jonathan came up with the wording that he was going to ask, and he says, let's go over there and let's see if the Lord will give us the victory. He says, come, let us, this is in verse 6, he says, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the, the Lord from saving by many or by few. 
And please understand, you're against right now the greatest army ever assembled in all of history. It is not the Chinese and Russians against each other or against us, Americans or against Israel. It is all these nations, America, Israel, Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, they're all united to deceive the people, to reduce the population down to the desired number. And all these elite families of all those nations have been promised a position in this world order that they're creating, a new world, because they believe that they cannot withstand, they cannot correct, uh, you know, more of the earth is turning into desert because they're doing it wrong. It's intentional sin being led by Satan. They don't know how to restore the earth, even though it's been made known to them. You don't do it by reducing the animals. You do not do it by restricting the lands. You do it by expanding the animals, letting them stir the land, and the earth will rejuvenate itself by the law of God. But they won't do this. So they're destroying the earth. And, you know, they're poisoning, toxing, because they want to kill the people. And they're reducing the animals. See, they've already taken farms and established them underground. They're using sun frequency and all these other things to cause it to grow. But they have great farms in the underground cities that they've created and the seed that they've created and kept. They plan that they can replenish the earth. And they've made these cities. And my understanding is they're going to stay down there for seven years while the earth cleans itself up or while they send people up to clean it up because they're going to use such toxic things to kill all these people. And they want to make sure that there's nobody out there that can harm them when they do come back up. So they want to make sure that they get all the people all over the world dead with only like 30 million to live or even six I've heard million to live so all these people are bought into this all these leaders these evil leaders and God told us warned us in Revelation 18 3 and 4 to come out from these leaders that are fornicating with the harlot but we will not listen the city of the harlot that we will not listen you know it's very clear that I've told you Netanyahu uh, being prime minister, runs the Mossad. And, and I was told by the Knights of Templar that they always use the Mossad to do their evil works. Always. So you have to understand this is very evil people. And that's just like at this time, we have this great army against us. We need to understand the words of Jonathan. Because Jonathan went up and God gave the victory. And that's exactly what the Lord shows us in in John, or excuse me, in Joel. Uh, 2 verses 1 to 11 the word is going to go before us and the lord is going to overcome them we can speak the word and things will be done to these people we're not going to speak to harm them that is not necessary god is going to judge them but this is what he's saying by fewer money anyway so in, in verse 7 it says so his armor bearer said to him do all that is in your heart go then here i am with you according to your heart he's faithful because he knows Jonathan understood the words. Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and do not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. What is the sign? I have just explained over the last several nights the way of the mountain of God, the way of the heavens. And when God causes and stirs these people, because what Jonathan is saying here, he's putting his faith in the fact that the Lord is going to cause these people to say what they're going to say. And if they say what he's saying here, 
then it's going to be that he's going to destroy them. Because those Philistines would have naturally said, no no way those guys are going to go up there. They would say, hey, stand there and we'll come down and kill you. Because there was none of the other armies around with them. There was just those two guys. So they would, you know, 10, whatever, 15 guys go down there and kill them. Is their mind. And that that's what they're saying there. And you can kind of see this, that there was likely about 20 guys there because that's how many he killed in the first 200 yards or 200 feet when he got to the top of that mountain. And But he was saying, come up. And that's what the Lord is. The Lord is telling us at this time to come up to the mountain because Babylon's already fallen. We've already been given the victory, Revelation 18, 1 to 4, Isaiah 1 to 12, the, uh, 21. Isaiah 21, 1 to 12. The crown trust cannot win. The crown trust and all the armies of the world, all the judges, all, the, all those people cannot win. They cannot, they cannot be in power before the end of this winter. They will be removed because God himself has said in Revelation 18, 1 and 4, it's done. In Isaiah 21, 1 to 12, it's already done. So we should have the faith to walk in the way of the words, knowing the victory is ours. Not to go kill these people, but to speak the word that judges them because they're going to judge themselves. Everybody at this time is going to be judged by the words of God, John twelve forty eight. God is going to judge them. So we have to understand this. If they will not turn and repent from the fear of God, then they will be. Now watch what happens here. When he goes up after him, and Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came out, as he came after them, his armor bearer killed them. So he had the sword. Jonathan's just throwing them down, and they were they were killing them left and right because they're going to fall before Jonathan by his hand. He had a sword. Did he use the sword? I don't know, but it says the armor bearers killed them. So it's just. Let's assume that it was the sword given into the hand of the armor bearer and Jonathan's just throwing him down because he only had one sword. Jesus told us in the garden, he told the disciples, take one sword. So Peter took a sword. That's not the sword he was talking about. He told them that this was there. See, if John, if Peter would have went with just a word, if he would have said to the Lord, your word is enough, Lord, then the the whole history would have changed. Everything would have changed. If the people up until this time had to come out before the winter season, all of history would have changed over these last 13 years, 13 and a half years. But they would not hear in the evening time, which was 2003 to 2002. And they would not hear during that time when God had said, let there be light. They could have had the greatest revival in all history, but no shepherd would even listen to the story. We sent out emails to thousands and thousands of them but they would not hear. Sent letters, sent copies of books, tried to talk to them. They would not even sit down and say, let us understand this. They they can't understand the power of the word of God. Even in this one, they're trying to act like uh, Jonathan's been given some supernatural power. He was given the word of God. He's, He's telling them, look, if they say this, God is here to cry, he's going to do it. But Jonathan knew the mountain. He understood the way of the mountain. Our people today do not understand the way of the mountain. They do not understand that at this time, the capstone at the top of the firmament 
is where the Father God is sitting in the judgment throne seat. And he's ready and waiting for us to move, but we will not move. We're too complacent. Go up the mountain like Moses. We've been called to go up the mountain. We can come in now to the uh, Holy of Holies. In other words, into the presence of God and, and get the knowledge of his words because he wants us to receive it. And so he can understand the way in Proverbs one twenty to 23. And he tells us this is required of us in John seventeen seventeen. It's a law of God that Jesus declared in John seventeen seventeen, and he declared that we must be judged by God's words in John twelve forty eight. So by his the words of God that he's speaking forth, we are being judged, and we are being judged for being a lukewarm church that's neither hot nor cold. We're sitting in the middle. This is what he means in Ezekiel thirty eight when he says they're without any walls. They don't have a wall of evil. And they don't have a wall of good. They don't understand the wall of wisdom, they don't, and they don't have Satan's words of wisdom. They're just in between. That's called Beth-Avon, by the way. Beth-Avon is an interesting place. It's a house of the undecided. That's what it really means, because the word Avon has two meanings. One of them is wealth, and one of them is uh, trouble, trials, terrible times, suffering. And that is what you see here when, when Jonathan gets done and he comes, uh, this battle gets over with for that day. What happens is it says in verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to beth So what happens after this? A divided house. That's what beth means, a divided house. It means a house with no walls. They won't get the words of God and they won't, you know, they're, they're almost going up to the words of evil because they're doing the same kind of thing. You know, Saul violated God's commandment or instruction to wait on his his um, prophet, and the prophet would not come. Samuel was the one that had to do the sacrifices. He was the high priest, and they wouldn't wait on him. So they did it themselves. And that that's Bethaven. That is undecided. Now we're going to see that with the shepherds. Say, oh, we've got these words. We, we understand it. We don't need you. We don't need an understanding of this anymore. But see, I'm just telling you that when, when Jonathan went up and climbed up on his hands and knees, that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men with a, within about half an acre of land, which is like 200 feet, I believe it is. And it says, um, <clears throat> there was trembling in the camp and the field and among all the people. That is exactly what the Lord says he's going to do at this time in Ezekiel 38. He's going to cause a trembling to go about the earth. I've been telling you, he's been shaking the earth. Remember when, he, when Jesus rode on the temple floor and it caused the people to see their sins? Well, that's what this is. These people are just like Beth-Avon, which was problem with Saul. He's, he's divided. He doesn't fully want to do, he's lukewarm. He doesn't really want to do the way of the Lord. He wants to do his own way because he wants the victory under his name. He was always about Saul. He'd been appointed, and God said he's, you know, he's regretted that he appointed, anointed Saul. But he's going to let him reign because he anointed him. He won't go back on his word. Until he died, David would not move. But then David, after this, he says, we must teach the sons of Judah the bow, which is the way of using the words, because the words are the arrows. And you shoot it with your bow. And the bow is like your mouth, your tongue. You speak the words. Your hands do the way of the words. Your feet walk in the way of the words. Those are bows. When you kneel down, you're doing something. You're using your bow. You're doing it in the way of the words because all the things we should do is in the way of the words with understanding and wisdom. 
<clears throat> you know, somebody asked me today about the, the brimstone that God's going to throw down in, like in uh, Ezekiel 38, he's going to show down the brimstone. The brimstone, they say, is like the sulfur. What it really means is that it's got a yellowish hue to it. What it, what it really is, should be is a stone that has in it both the fire and it has the um, the uh, fire, meaning it's got the orange, it's got the red, it's got the yellow. It's got red, orange, and yellow. And yellow is the understanding. Orange is the wisdom of God. And red is the way of the in- inheritance of the words that we're allowed to get. And then I would imagine that stone is like a, uh, you know, it's going to be red hot, a coal. Uh, stone is a, is a word. And so he's kind of... Kill him with the words of understanding, like he did Sodom and Gomorrah, and it turned to salt. Salt is, you know, we're supposed to have salts equivalent to the promise of God, and it enabling that we're supposed to do put salt on all our sacrifices when we eat even bread with butter on it to sprinkle a little salt because we're required of God to put salt. It's symbolic of the promise. So anyway, he he, this is what God did. He said the. Um, Garrison and the raiders also trembled and the earthquake, so there was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of, uh, saw that there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. What was going on? What's doing is the same thing that's going to happen in Ezekiel 38. God's going to cause these people to argue among themselves. It's a house divided. The battle went to a house divided. Beth Aven, in both directions. It went, the battle went to Beth, that the people of the Philistines were all mixed up. The people of Israel, you know, they joined in that day. They they came in and they ran that day. They uh, when they saw this happening, all the people that went with the um, Philistines turned on them and started killing Philistines. And then the people of Ephraim that ran away into the hills, they came and fought. And so the army was in thousands, and they destroyed this army and scattered it. And um, but then afterwards, you know, before this had happened, they'd had this thing where the they were supposed to eat. I mean, they should have eaten, but Saul uh, demanded that they make a fast. Instead of eating and getting strength, they made a fast. They didn't, he didn't do it for, you know, to give the meat of the word and so on. They didn't understand anything like this, how to, how to do the way the words. Like David, when he brought the Ark of the Covenant, gave him, you know, a piece of meat and he gave him also a, a raisin cake uh, to take with them back to their houses. The meat is symbolic of the word of God. The, the raisin is the fruit of the spirit. And then also the uh, bread is the bread of instruction. He wanted them to remember what had happened that day and what the greatness of the word is and the, the spirit of God allowing them to move it because the last time they'd moved it and Uriah had touched that ark, it, it killed him and they couldn't move it. They stopped it right there until they searched out the scriptures and understood how to move the ark. They got the word from God. So they did it the right way, not like Saul. He didn't wait. He did it wrongly here. So anyway, after this, the Lord caused and that in the forest where the men were gathered, God caused it to be that there was honey everywhere. Honey is symbolic of the seventh spirit. And what, what it's doing is the honey is when we we take it and he put it everywhere on the ground. And Jonathan, you know, the people didn't touch it because Saul ordered them. He said he would kill anybody that... Um, uh, ate food uh, until the battle was won. So they were starved and famished. And um, 
So anyway, they they uh, uh, he did that. He ate ate with the uh, uh, took his his staff and dipped it in the honeycomb and took a dip of it. And Saul wanted to know. <clears throat> Saul wanted to ask of the Lord then, and the Lord wouldn't answer him because the Lord he did wrong the whole day. Everything was messed up on Saul's behalf. He didn't guide them in the right way of the word. He didn't do anything right. And God had provided the provision. They should have ate with the honey because immediately when he took that one little bite of honey, his whole face uh, began to shine again. And he was strengthened. And because it's the way of the Spirit of God, they were understanding the work that God had done that day. So anyway, they went ahead and ate meat with the blood and the rest of it. And it was a big problem. And And there it has something interesting. Because they ate the blood, with that thing, and they were faint. Um, they, uh, what they did was, the Saul uh, told them um, that they must roll a stone to him. And I just want to talk about the stone a second. I'm going to end this thing with First Samuel 14. You can read the whole story there. I'm just trying to give you some insight. Remember that the mountain that he's talking about is the light going up, and uh, you know we're always. When God, we're looking at that things, we can look at things like that and know that the Lord is at the top of the mountain. Understand, it's symbolic of the Mount Sinai. It's symbolic of the temple. It's symbolic of the heavens. And the Lord is talking down right now, and he is sitting in the judgment seat. And they went to battle. They knew that they were under the uh, watchful eye of the Lord. So they knew that they could call upon him. And they, they looked for whether or not he would answer, and he did. And that's what we should do at this time. Now, it tells them that they they rolled the stone to Saul. See, rolling this stone, large stone, when they had committed the sin of eating the blood of the meat, the blood with the meat, because they were famished. And what happened was, when they do that, they had to roll that stone towards Saul. It's basically their sins being cleansed. In other words, Saul was the anointing, so they brought the, the rock to that. I, let me... I'll give you an, uh, another example of this is when you go to, uh, um, you know, first remember that the stone tablets, we just talked about this, how that is the word. <clears throat> and even as you see, when Moses came down the first time, he had the stone tablets that the Lord had carved and gave to him, but he broke those. So the next time he had to cover that sin. So he covered that sin by making the tablets and bringing them to the Lord and then the Lord engraved them. So it covers the sin coming back to it. And <clears throat> because it was instruction on how to do this. So you also see that when Jesus was put in a tomb, of course, the uh, Romans rolled <clears throat> and the temple guard rolled the stone in front of that cave, or in front of the tomb. And they sealed it with the seal of the king. Well, the, the priest, I don't know which one it was sealed right now. I can't remember. But the point was they sealed it, and that's sealing it with their word. And Jesus, when he arose, could have moved the stone, but he did not. Because Jesus was not going to touch their word. Understand, he had paid the price. It's just like he wouldn't allow Mary or anybody to touch him until he had risen to the Father. So God sent an angel to roll that stone back. And he sat upon it. In other words, they overcame the sin of these people by the works that they did with rolling that stone in front of that grave. See, they are thinking this is okay. You can roll the stone and it seals them. 
but they sealed it with their seal. And their seal is not with God, and they didn't understand the purpose of what Jesus died for and what had happened. So the angel rolled that stone back and sat on it because Jesus could not touch that stone because that stone represented their false words. <clears throat> That's like today. Please understand that these, all these idols and statues must be removed. And it's going to be removed by the angel of God if we will ask of the Lord. Because he'll cause those to be reduced to powder. They cannot stand. Because the Lord is going to reign come April. Those things must be taken down. It's just like we'll have to bury the bones of all these people that are destroyed in the valley where God tells it to be. Because we cannot have that in the Holy Land. They have to be put in a certain place where God appointed. And that'll be sealed in for that time. But the bones are like the carrier of the word, to carry the words of all these people done. And all those acts that they had done must be removed from the land to remove the curse of it. Because remember, we're getting ready for the likeness of the Garden of Eden to come and the curse is going to be lifted off the land. So we can't have the curse lifted off the land until those bones get removed <clears throat> from all these who are going to violate God's commandment by coming in war. <clears throat> they got to be removed. I wanted to say that all their laws that they've written down and that they keep are all, and you, you see it in the, the gold trim on the flag, that's an admiralty law. Um, all these things that they do are all engraven things. They must be removed. But in this time, if they bring you for these things, you can re remember something very simple here to how to overcome the word. You can, when they come into the courtroom, you shouldn't rise to anoint a king who has no authority to rule at that time. So in a courtroom, they can say, you know, you're, you are, um, uh, you know, they can say you're out of order or you can do a lot of things, but it's better at this time in the winter season not to stand. And if you want to tell them what it is, tell the devil who's in, in them, the spirit of the devil resides in them, just sit there Take in your right hand a pencil and raise that pencil up. They won't like it, but it'll stir them up because what you're doing at this time is you're saying, let the word of God judge this situation. They might throw you in prison, but God is going to protect you just like he did the three men in the fire. The Lord is going to rule this time. What's that pencil do? First, it's led, but it's talking about the written word of God is greater than the words that they go by. You're not doing this egotistically. You're, you better not do it arrogantly, but do it for their sake. See, the, the purpose is this. Is that pencil is like the written word of God. His name, written, is more powerful than their word. His name, written, summarizes the words. If you don't want to raise it up, if you have a piece of paper, just write YHVH on there. You believe in that name. And let that stand. And if you want to, you know, doodle with it, put a square around it. Because it's, the, the word of God is symbolic of the cube or the square. That's the knowledge of his works. Words of promise. 
Put these things in there and just consider this. And don't be afraid of your life because you've just committed yourself by doing that as a martyr to God no matter what. And he will see you and and love you for it. But I believe he will deliver you in these times if your faith is strong and you're doing it in your heart for the right reasons. The pen is mightier than any of their weapons at this time. Remember that. It's the power of the word of God because you're, I told you what the written word of God is, the word. You can just write the word and put Revelation 19, 11 to 13 and understand that he rules right now, Revelation 18, 1 to 4. You can just write these verses down on a paper when they're in there. Because, see, their law no longer stands, Daniel 7, 11 and 12. Isaiah 21, 1 to 12. Revelation 18, 1 to 4. They have fallen. They have no right to have any law from December 21st on. With winter comes, their dominion's been removed. And the Lord is going to move. He's going to remove them in this winter season. So please remember that and consider it. Do not do what the Spirit tells you not to do. Do what the Spirit guides you to do. But make sure you're in the Spirit and you're not in it for your own ego. And not in it, if you're guilty is one thing. You know, if you're guilty, that's a, you know one thing. And you still can put this in the hands of the Lord. But understand that we can't come out of our sins until God turns us, turns us as a nation around. And we get forgiveness for our sins at this time because we're still in the day of judgment. We're all being judged. Don't be arrogant with the Lord at this time. Be fearful, but be obedient and be humble and trust in his word. Lord, I pray that people will understand what this meant and what this means. Understand there's nothing more powerful than your your name, your name, dear Lord. That they don't have a way to say it, really. It's not really Yahweh. It's YHVH as we write it. Dear Lord, we pray that they will understand that. And dear Lord, we pray that they will do these things, dear Lord, in great faith for your glory. Let them understand, dear Lord, that by doing these things, we're declaring that the, the Roman court is gone. We don't go by the name that they do. And dear Lord, we can ask them to present their oath and ask them if, there is, if their oath is in power at this time, after the, the, the beginning of the winter. Ask them that, if that is, if their power is in time. And dear Lord, we ask you to stir them up inside. Let your spirit, let them understand that they're in grave trouble if they answer that, yes, they are in trouble. I mean, yes, they have power. Because if they do that in this time, dear Lord, they're committing Hebrews 10, 26 to 27. And the fiery wrath will be on them because they're proclaiming what's not true. They're proclaiming that they have power and that that they are not paying attention to your law and your instruction at this time. Lord, we pray your hand be upon us for good and not evil. Help us, dear Lord, to overcome the world. Dear Lord, help us to overcome the beast, his mark, his number, and his name. Dear Lord, for it's time that he be removed while you reign and bring forth the cleansing and refinement, dear Lord, of your people so that they can be raptured up with the kingdom in them at this time. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry. 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.